Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez joining you from Los Angeles. The man accused of attacking House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband over the weekend will be arraigned in San Francisco's Superior Court later today. The charges he faces include attempted murder. In San Francisco, KQED's Joe Fitzgerald Rodriguez has more. 42-year-old David DePap is making his first appearance in court since his arrest Friday at Pelosi's house. He faces both local and federal charges after the attack, which left Paul Pelosi with a fractured skull. District Attorney Brooke Jenkins says her office will argue DePap is a danger to the public. My office will be filing a motion to detain him without bail, and that is based on what is obvious and severe public safety risks that the defendant poses to San Francisco, as well as the outer community. Federal prosecutors have alleged he intended to hold Nancy Pelosi hostage and break her kneecaps in retaliation for what he called Democratic Party lies. That was KQED's Joe Fitzgerald Rodriguez. Bay Area Democratic Congresswoman Jackie Speier told the California Report that if we want to prevent attacks like the one on Paul Pelosi, there needs to be a change in an increasingly radicalized American political culture. And Speier feels that includes some of her colleagues in Congress. The amount of vitriol that is spewed out on social media by members is reprehensible. And it also is why we have the radicalization of persons in the United States who become domestic terrorists. And I don't think that that is hyperbolic when you realize that this particular man had every intention of maiming, killing, abusing the Speaker of the House who's third in command. Representative Speer knows about violence wielded by extremists. In 1978, on a trip to the South American country of Guyana to investigate Jim Jones and his People's Temple cult, the then 28-year-old was shot five times in an ambush by followers of Jones. At the time, Speer worked for Congressman Leo Ryan. Ryan and four other people were killed in the attack. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. 
History is filled with stories about independence movements, including the one that led to the birth of the United States. This election season, voters in one California county will vote on a measure that asks them to consider breaking away from California. But as wild as that sounds, secession has been a frequent proposal in Golden State history. From San Bernardino, KVCR's Jonathan Linden reports. On a recent Friday evening, a small group of students gathered to listen to a panel at Claremont McKenna College. Up for debate is a local ballot measure that would send a big message, secession from the state of California. If you really think about it, it's a, it's a, big, it's a big deal. That's James Round IV. He's a student here majoring in government. He organized tonight's event to raise awareness around Measure EE. The question before San Bernardino County voters looks something like this. Should local officials study all options to obtain the county's fair share of state funding up to and including secession? That part about secession is what's grabbing people's attention. But the implications, if this was to happen, are extreme and should be taken as seriously as the result could be. San Bernardino County is just east of Los Angeles and is home to more than 2 million people. By area, it's the largest county in the U.S. and is bigger than nine states. But despite its size, some local officials say they're not getting the state's support or resources they deserve. That's partly why secession came up in the first place. And it's not a new idea. The secession movement in San Bernardino, I mean, this is one of about 220 such movements in California history. That's Kevin Way, a Durham University history professor. He says San Bernardino County joins a long history of secession attempts in California. For decades, people in Northern California and Southern Oregon have talked about creating a state of Jefferson. Waite says over a century and a half ago, San Bernardino County was involved in a similar secession movement. And, you know, like the San Bernardino secessionists today, they argued that they basically weren't getting enough of what they needed um, and that they could get more of that if they formed their own territory and ultimately their own state. Among supporters of Measure EE is Fontana Mayor Aquanetta Warren. She says the state has failed to properly invest in essential services such as county jails and courthouses. So the funding that is so dear to everybody of keeping our public safe is not coming directly to our county from the state. But the proposal has also been met with criticism. Generally speaking, I think it is a waste of taxpayers' money to put such a proposal on the ballot. That State Assembly Majority Leader Eloise Gomez-Reyes. She and two other state representatives wrote a letter opposing the ballot measure. We know that San Bernardino cannot secede from California. They cannot form their own state. The odds of secession happening are slim. It would need to get approval by state legislators and Congress. But its first test is with voters. Many people I spoke with hadn't heard much about the secession plan. That includes Jim Montez from Colton. Well, I mean, at first glance, um, talking about this succession, I really don't feel like that our leadership is connected to the community's needs. Montes doesn't know how she'll vote yet, but she does relate to some of the feelings behind this push for secession. I agree that we're underserved, um, underrepresented, underfunded, all of those things. And she says she wants local leaders to speak up. She's just not sure this ballot measure is the best way to do it. For the California Report, I'm Jonathan Linden in San Bernardino. And Jonathan's story is part of a project from the California Newsroom. It's a collaboration of California's public radio stations, NPR, and the website Cal Matters. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, 
and I know you love what you're hearing. Please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. And some lottery news. There were no big treats from the Halloween evening Powerball drawing last night because none of the tickets sold matched all six numbers. So the Powerball prize soars to $1.2 billion for Wednesday night's top prize. No one has hit all six numbers since August 3rd. Including California, Powerball is played in 45 states as well as Washington, D.C., Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. And that's this edition of the California Report for Tuesday, November 1st. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. Hint, fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute. Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel Falcor 2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration, on the web at schmidtocean.org. Hi there, I'm Randadid Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast.